0: Right. Good morning. Hello. Today is Thursday, November 16, 2023. Uh, class 6 in the discussion, Patanjali Yoga Sutras and uh, Buddha Dhamma, particularly uh, focused on the phrase, Chitta Vritti Nirodha, uh, yoga as cessation of Um, mental fluctuations, and I've been working from, this is the uh, fine row hoeing, hoe your row finely, seekers of wisdom must, seekers of gold must dig up much dirt, said Heraclitus, so this is uh, multiple filterings of some very, teaching, very value, valuable uh, pages of teaching on Patanjali's Yoga Sutras from different uh, writers, from different uh, sources, bringing it in to you know, comparing with some of Gautama's teaching on mind and the way of freedom from bondage. And uh, this uh, Taoist phrase, power gathers where there is stillness. Uh, So I've explained this a bunch of times, but I don't feel yet finished with it. (laughs) So from before, from a basic understanding of Patanjali's teaching, yoga sutras, we've got four aspects of mind, uh, four words used to describe personal mental mind awareness function. Uh, Manas, Buddhi, Chit, and Ahamkara. And so Manas, this is from the uh, Rolf Sovik page, but it's straight, it's a simple um, distillation of of some of Patanjali's foundational teaching. And this is, it's actually very um, important to to try to work with <laughs> uh, these different classifications of mind, so that we know mind better. And the the Western view is know yourself, you know, know thyself. Uh, knowing the personal self uh, is step one. Uh, becoming free from the personal self is step two. <laughs> And developing the, in, the, the universal mind or moving out of the personal to the transpersonal is the way of increasing freedom from the personal mind. And knowing that there are different aspects of mind or mind can be understood in a certain, from a certain theory is useful. This theory particularly that there's a conscious mind, there's a subconscious mind with tendencies... Uh, there is a higher mind, so there's a conscious mind, and there's a higher mind, and there's a lower mind. If we say lower is subconscious and the tendencies, the vasanas. Uh, there's the conscious mind, just like Freudian, it's exact, it, It's really the same basic three-part structure to mind that you find in classical Freudianism. Obviously, there are significant differences between buddhi and superego. <laughs> or uh, the subconscious or chit with its vasanas and the id, but id, ego, superego, uh, chitta, subconscious with vasanas, tendencies, hindrances basically, and the conscious mind, manas, manasic, and a higher mind or a higher capacity of minds functioning to look at mind, and that's called buddhi or wisdom, discrimination, discernment. And all of that is personalistic and that's where we get the fourth uh, quality of mind called amkara. Uh, to call them aspects of mind is not quite right. It's it's uh, tendencies of sentience, qualities of um, apparent selfhood and uh, conceptual uh conceptual designation or uh, or source and origin it, it's so the conscious mind is very much tied to the five senses and the present moment yet there is something beneath it which is what we find when we're triggered when there's catalyst and we're emotionally triggered something comes up or it seems to quote come up that coming up is from the subconscious which here is understood in in from this view Himalayan institute's view of patanjali the chitta is unconscious storehouse of past thoughts and experiences bed of memory this is the vasanas and it's very true that we commonly interpret nearly everything in the terms uh, of memory of experience we've had before with similar uh, phenomena so If we look, you know, again, I look at... We we label the objects in the environment rightly, (laughs) hopefully, but in accord with the memory that, you know, uh, my computer speakers or what I'm calling the visual, (laughs) tangible thing there called that I call a computer speaker um, is the same as it was yesterday, more or less. And it's based in memory to some degree... That I'm calling it my computer speaker. I'm not analyzing it afresh each time. So we've got the conscious mind, and we've got a deeper level, which could be called subconscious or chit or the unconscious, uh, with tendencies that uh, some of which are very helpful and some of which are not. And that, and we got that vasanas tendencies that are driven that that commonly. Um, Buffet the conscious mind, or arise strongly periodically, but are very deeply uh, buried. Actually, most of the the vasanas. Uh, we don't we're not aware of them until practice goes much further, and then the whole of this uh, subconscious, conscious, superconscious, which is a sort of a, you could say it's a spiritual or a yogic. Um, higher manifestation of the Freudian id ego superego triad that whole thing is is of a fraudulent uh, constructed conceived identity the eighth fetter which in Hinduism is called ahamkara so you can say that uh, you know the the a typical knee-jerk uh, Buddhist theory theorist reaction against Hinduism or Advaita Vedanta is there's no self don't talk about it personalist. However, uh, they know very well that ahamkara is a fraud. Mm-hmm. So if they know that, that the sense of self is, is uh, a constructed identity, an identity constructed within mind itself, it's actually uh, constructed uh, before mind, but this person doesn't know about that. Before there is uh, a conscious subconscious, there is uh, uh, identification. Light identifies with itself and creates a sense of beingness of beingness or being. It imagines itself a substantive or separative being. And that, that is the karma of aham. It's actually before personal mind. So the, before they we're aware of a personal mind, it's been formed, meaning that there is a separative tendency of subject-object so they understand that very well <laughs> they, The Advaita Vedanta understands the fraud of Ahamkara sounds like eighth fetter to me and sounds like Annata to me the same teaching that uh, identity as we conceive it is constructed, fabricated and fraudulent and what this one here is what I is is not uh, to be is not uh Revealed by concept <laughs> is not expressed by concept. Truly, the true revelation of of what this one here is or I, the I, uh, which they call self realization, uh, jivatman, paramatman, uh, it ain't constructed. That's the point. Uh, true nature is not constructed, while uh, the sense of self is. Okay, so knowing that in some sense the conscious mind is midway between unconscious tendencies that often come up as hindrances or the basis of hindrances are subconscious, that there's a subconscious, and there's a superconscious, which you know, Freud called superego, but I think more, more truly is a function called discernment. Or buddhi, and that's of um, closer to to true nature, and that's you know the true super ego is atman, but it is nothing like Freud said, and so Freud was a you know (laughs) clear thinker in some ways and a very wounded personality as well. So a very wounded personality uh, telling you (laughs) what he's find what he's found. Some of what he finds is a brilliant discovery, I think, and some of it is just wrong. And that's very normal. Me too. You can say some of what I'm saying is really helpful and true, and some of it is just my personalist distortion or comes out of a personal distortion, without a doubt. So, but this, you know, discerning mind, the discerning aspects, what, what here are called aspects of mind or tendencies of mind qualities of sentience and awareness this is critical to spiritual path or transformation and so okay so he's talking about uh, Manas buddhi, chit and Amkara and the when we go further on the same earlier page of uh, Alex Scott uh, down and dirty, uh, Summation of the entirety of Patanjali's Yoga Sutras. Uh, um, Mid-page is the line, Patanjali also says that the means of escape from hindrances may be provided by discriminative discernment, viveka, Kyati viveka. And this is akin to Buddhi. And this... This is, again, the principle of uh, separate to combine, solve, coagula. It really means recognizing distinction um, as the basis of unity, (laughs) or realizing unity by first recognizing distinction. And so it's said here, liberation is attained by means of discriminative discernment, or viveka, which reveals how Purush is different from Prakriti, how true nature is different than constructed, impermanent, insubstantial phenomena. That's the point. Uh, and that's what uh, any of the four Buddhist realizations, four Buddhist fruits, Magapala, the four attainments, Sotapanna, non returner, once returner, Arahant, these, these attainments are, as far as I can, as far as I know, realizations of what is, not constructed. They're realizations of the non-fabricated basis of phenomena and of eventually consciousness itself, uh, that consciousness or subjectivity arises and passes away. Perception arises and passes away. That all of all of our experience, not only the material phenomena, but the very sense of a subject that's perceiving the sense of the experience of our constructed ex, uh, explanation of our experience of phenomena there, <laughs> there, there there's a, a believed in subjectivity ahamkara, which is basically a fetter conceit there is this sense of me, and subjectivity to it all, and there's a rising of what we call, what can call, be called perception, and there's the fabrication or compositing of thought, interpretation of what's going on. What's called sankara fourth skanda. Um, seeing all that is of buddhi and viveka, and seeing that. Um, this mind is both the means to freedom and the primary uh, bondage that must be released. <laughs> that the mind, just like uh, Blavatsky said or repeated or whatever, mind as the slayer of the real and mind as the revealer. Uh, because mind or sentience. Uh, is differentiated into that which is um, personal unconscious, that which is personal conscious, that which is transpersonal superconscious or not conscious. It's not sub, it's super, but it's unconscious. So we're unconscious of the subconscious, and we're unconscious of the superconscious to some degree. We don't know... The vasanas and the hindrances and the tendencies in the deep mind, until they're exposed or released. Likewise, we commonly don't we don't know the whole of our true nature or what wisdom discernment would reveal as reality. Uh, these functions are moderately developed: the function of vivek and buddhi, but. Uh, need much work and it's very much uh, fifth, sixth chakra and so to the extent that fifth and sixth chakra are not finished with the development, which they're not then there's more uh, awareness uh, to come or we have great lack of understanding of, because our functions of wisdom, discernment are division they're in process so he's saying here uh the means, again, the means of escape from hindrances coming from viveka, dis- discernment, and I'm going to go onto a, a full page on viveka in a moment. Liberation also attained by this means of buddhi or, dis- or discriminative discernment, which reveals how purush is different from prakriti, again, how true nature or reality, so-called, which is not impermanent and not stressful and not uh, personalist, Right? Anichanatha duka is not of reality. It's of Prakriti or of phenomena, if we could say. And it's of the the uh, ignorance-based perceiver, the person who is not yet finished with the path, uh, is experiencing Anichanatha duka. When, you know, is Gautama still experiencing Anichanatha Dukkha? No. No. Uh, how about the fact that, uh, that you know... <laughs> Uh, his experience of being a mildly hungry in the morning and less hungry after he eats is an experience of impermanence in Dukkha. Uh, I wouldn't uh, presume that his experience of that is the same as ours. And so it gets very deep. But anyway, uh, this point, is this, this paragraph concludes as discriminative discernment, Viveka kyati leads to concentration, a concentration which Patanjali calls the cloud of knowable things, Dharma Mega. This attainment, the attainment of this cloud of knowable things, leads to cessation of hindrances and of fluctuations. That's key. Cessation of hindrances and fluctuations. So chitta vritti means chitta fluctuations. Uh, basically, chitta driven, the conscious mind driven by the subconscious. That the subconscious, the personal subconscious and the vasanas and the tendencies and the habits and mistaken core beliefs or mistaken deep beliefs, wrong view, of, particularly the view of a a substantial selfhood, the sense of, you know, I am me or or what is it? Uh, Anyway, it was uh, one of these philosophers talking about, uh, I think, therefore I am. No, that's completely wrong. (laughs) <laughs> uh, there is thinking therefore there is the thought of identity <laughs> Ident- <laughs> identity thinks identity uh, when uh, when there's awareness without significant uh, identity thinking interplay between thinking and identity Um, one realizes identity is empty and thinking is empty and both are actually not much necessary. So, not I think therefore I am. More like um, an identity does thinking confirming itself as an identity. Uh, Freedom from uh, excessive... Freedom from... um, Driven thinking, uh, impelled thinking, uh, subconscious-driven uh, process in the conscious mind. Uh, as that, as we're increasingly free from that, there's less of a sense of I. Uh, therefore, I am. The se- there, it's more like therefore I is or this is. Eventually, beings get sick of this whole identity situation. The whole, the, the the construction of identity is tiresome at a certain point and that's called leaving six density. So leaving six density is leaving the constructed um, you know, ahamkara, the the, the fraudulent uh, constructed com, fabricated concept memory based um, identity. That doesn't mean You know, there's the destruction of anything. There's only the destruction of a filter. (laughs) It's only a filter that's gone, not uh, the I or the the, the one that is the source of the filter. The filter is gone, not the source of the filter. Likewise, uh, fake, false identity uh, simply no longer arises. And then there's... um, more spacious awareness in which self-referentiality is not happening or happening. I mean, I'm not finished, so I don't know, but it's happening much less than before. (coughs) But, but hindrances are still exist. So what is Viveka? Well, from Wisdom Library, uh, just to get a clearer sense, it's, it's again, it's um, division in the service of unity. It's break down or separate um, in the service of uh, realizing unity. Uh, So from Marathi, Marathi English Dictionary, discrimination, judgment, faculty of distinguishing and classing, to even, it's again, um, awareness looking at mind is of Viveka and Buddhi. Awareness, the so-called higher or detached witnessing, it's a witnessing of the personal mind uh, with the capacity to class or categorize aspects of the personal mind, of me, what's commonly called me. And so, you know, many years ago, I read this, The View commonly the untrained worldling would say, you know, I am angry, which is some kind of reflexive identification of uh, the I with the arising anger. Uh, I am angry. Uh, Beyond that, in meditation, one may have the perspective, oh, anger is arising in this mind, or anger arises now. There's no I to be found. And of course, people can get dissociative and schizophrenic if they force this and think that just thinking in a certain way is freedom. Uh, thinking supports freedom, but thinking isn't freedom. <laughs> in the sense that you, you keep, if people walk around endlessly thinking, uh, this is this and that's that, and I'm discerning and distinguishing, uh, the mind will be uh, clogged with thinking. So, discrimination, judgment, distinguishing, classing, um, knowledge of direct knowledge to direct or govern oneself—the <laughs> uh, wisdom of living. But that again doesn't mean. I mean, I remember meeting a Gurdjieff student many, many years ago in the monastery upstate New York, uh, Daibosatsu Zendo. And the guy basically appeared to be going, telling us that all day long he's looking at his mind, thinking about his thinking. Uh, that's not uh, Buddhist or Advaita Vedanta practice uh, from Patanjali, as far as I can tell. That's that. That just makes more thinking, and the person just ends up clogged with mental thought form continually thinking about his observing of mind. Uh, the key, um, and you see the, the Hindu Advaita Vedanta perspective is again uh, that there's a Brahma or a Purush and a phenomenal or Prakriti. So this definition of Viveka, the power of separating Brahma, the invisible spirit, from the visible or objective system, truth from untruth, reality from illusion. Of course, uh, but if you're looking for this is Brahma, where's Brahma? you'll be in trouble like where's God where's God well you know what is God and where is it not where is the one is everywhere and is everything including time and space uh, and light so one must discern that the goal is inconceivable and conceive the inconceivability of Satchit or awareness of reality if you think it it isn't or thinking it is thinking (laughs) that which is beyond thought a reality that is not the same as thought so uh, there's all sorts of separate combine here or distinguish uh, distinguish and know but don't uh, but but the guidance here is not to endlessly think and uh, make more concept. So it's sort of fighting fire with fire, using the conceptual discernment or discernment of seeing and distinguishing to acknowledge higher or lower or impermanent, not impermanent, or source uh, and manifestation yet uh, not to be of, the, of a busy, speedy mind, uh, endlessly thinking. From Sanskrit, we make, again, discrimination, judgment, discernment, discretion, <laughs> discretion consideration, investigation, difference, um, the power of distinguishing between visible and invisible, separating reality from mere semblance or illusion, uh, there's a distinction between reality and appearance or <laughs> the Buddhist phrase things are not as they appear nor are they otherwise uh, knowing that things are not as they appear Their, uh, true nature is not phenomenal apparent uh, in, in, the, in the form in its form you know, right? there's, there's a tree with its form uh, vertical and colored Uh, from the roots through the trunk to the branches and the leaves and the canopy worshipping the the sun, distinguishing what appear to be parts. Uh, Yet, one should be very careful with the mind. And so, some would say, I talk too much, maybe indeed. On the other hand, to, to explain things Carefully is uh, very useful and really challenging. Separating reality from mere semblance or illusion, n- realizing the true nature of the apparent and the phenomenal. We experience phenomena uh, by our perception, our, our subjective perception, and subjective thinking interpretation that itself, to say even that, comes out of some kind of vivek or buddhi witnessing mind and uh, how mind functions. How there's a personal, the the personalist subjective um, quality to all of our thinking and knowing, which is problematic. So... Other definitions of vivek, aloofness, aloof from sin, solitude, seclusion. And so, uh, Tibetans as one of the names for uh, solitude. Distinguishing things by their properties, classifying, classing them according to their real, not apparent nature. And again, they keep talking separating Brahma, from invis- Brahma or invisible spirit from ostensible world, truth from untruth. Uh, while that sounds very dualistic, um, this is a certain kind of uh, useful <laughs> dualistic function of mind, like examining consequences. You can say everything is illusory, but actually, that that's not uh, that that has to be unpacked. You know, if, if some if a piano falls on your foot, <laughs> you can say it's unreal. But the pain um, is pretty intense and significant, and it's not the same as you know uh, walking through a field of flowers. <laughs> so. Uh, one should be careful <laughs> with just how radically one applies the teaching of uh, Maya and unreal uh, to the phenomenal experiential uh, to our phenomena, our experiential phenomenal exper- uh, existence. We experience quite significant, real enough, uh, even though there's uh, much more than we don't th- uh, in play than we know. So, okay, (laughs) Uh, separation, discrimination, discernment, examination, consideration, judgment, insight, penetration. These are just very important. And so this is partly what wisdom is all about, the nature of wisdom. And let me... um, Let me take a moment. Um, when when we talk about know yourself, we bring it to a psychological, transpersonal psychology perspective, uh, knowing my patterns, commonly phrased, knowing my patterns, knowing my trigger ability. This is all buddhi. This is all vivek. Uh, know thyself is the work of uh, directing the light of attention inwards, or so-called to the mind-body-spirit, to to the apparent subject. The subject examines itself. The subject sees itself as object. <laughs> the conscious mind, however it, however capable it has become. Sees and comprehends and discerns and distinguishes, and classifies um, the very uh, its itself, its um, reflective comprehension, self-knowing in this way, so-called. So we have to um, acknowledge the uh, power. Um, and and you know, real politic, <laughs> facts on the ground. Uh, there is, we do uh, almost always proceed from some sense of subjectivity, meaning me wanting, not wanting, and yet that arises, and so it's not it, it it's <laughs> it's impermanent and it's insubstantial as well. So, this is the value of mindfulness meditation. Uh, Getting a distance, uh, getting distance and perspective on the mind itself. Uh, This is the critical importance of fifth ray and blue ray, wisdom, discernment, Vivek, Buddhi. Christian view, pray for discernment. Pray for discernment or discernment in some ways is even more important than love. Because then with discernment we can see what is love and what is not. What is of our path and what is not. Where is there, how have I been depolarizing and how to prevent it. To be able to, you know, avoid or put down harm and pick up and cultivate good and purify mind. The mind must acknowledge what those are. Uh, what is uh, harmful, so called evil to be dropped or avoided? What is the good to be picked up, cultivated, and developed? What is it? Like what? What do you mean? Like what? This is um, the work of Buddhi, um, particularly, uh, is sort of Manas and buddhi, buddhi looking at the subconscious, looking at the personal chit, again, from that. It, obviously people are using the word chit chitta in different ways but let's just say subconscious <laughs> whether you call it chit or vasanas uh, there is the personal unknown that does the, the hindrances the, the biases the bases of mind of the personal of, of our personal mind at the present time which comes from karmic stream and all sorts of things it's not really necessary to know it fully. It's not necessary. It seems um, to 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 score a hundred percent for progression. Just like Harvest Three to Four on the positive path, Raw called it. You know, require indicated fifty-one percent. Likewise, obviously, there are groups in sixth density that don't have uh, don't have enough wisdom <laughs> in dealing with. Uh, Earth's 3D repeater uh, uh, morass. The morass, the the vast sinkhole of indifference, the depths of the the distortions that infect the peoples, they didn't have enough wisdom to know what they were getting into and they acted um, foolishly, unwisely. But they're in sixth entity. So, obviously... And there were other groups at the same time that counseled uh, avoidance. Don't jump in. Stay away. So some groups had more wisdom than other groups. Some beings in any dimensional collective are more evolved than others. So there's actually a uh, spectrum, there's a range of uh, acceptable, uh, of entry requirement. <laughs> the entry requirement, the harvestable requirement is of a range and a spectrum, and there are some and so, some more developed and some less developed, all graduating together or harvesting together or in a dimensional collective, uh, and that's very much led by wisdom. However, you know, uh, mm, by wisdom, we can know what is wisdom. <laughs> By wisdom, we can know the difference between chatter and principles. So, uh, it's critical. So then, let's jump to uh, another page that I think I'll stay with for a few weeks now because uh, this seems to be a little bit finer teaching. This is from someone called from Swami J.com. Traditional Yoga Meditation of Himalayan masters. Self-realization through Yoga Sutras Vedanta. Samaya Sri Vidya Tantra. Samaya. Uh, sam. There's Samaya and Samyama, not the same. Vidya Tantra. <laughs> Vidya like Avidya. It's so the ta- knowledge of the the tantra of knowledge, of knowing. Uh Particularly Patanjali talking about Ashtanga Yoga, that notion that there's a a eight limbs to yogic practice or of the path, eight aids to yoga, limbs of yoga, um, functions and qualities or, or activities and practices, perspectives that are critical on the path. And So these eight are yama, niyama first, restraint. It always confuses me that yama means restraint and niyama means observances. So yama means don't do it, (laughs) and niyama means uh, do it. So yama means uh, how to restrain yourself. So it's very funny that uh, the first Ashtanga, first of the Ashta, uh, eight. Of the yogas is restraint, because uh, unrestrained or without appreciation of restraint, proper restraint at the right time to the right degree, without that, without any kind of self-restraint, there is no progression on the path. Meanwhile, how much, and that's again of buddhi too and discernment, the restraint that's needed yesterday may not be needed today. So number two is niyama, so yama niyama, and uh, yama as restraint, and niyama as no restraint, meaning observances. Mm -hmm. Strange way of putting it. What to do? Then you have asana, pranayama, pratyahara, and then the last three, which is samyama, dharana, dhyana, and samadhi. And from Alex Scott, the first five aids are indirect, The next three are direct, and so the next three, the last three, uh, the the last three, (laughs) first five and the last three, the first five and the last three, the last three is where we'll focus, Dharana, Dhyana, Samadhi. There's called direct aids or direct limbs, and the indirect or first five are also referred to as outer or external so, inner is direct, outer is indirect, outer, external, and the direct are referred to inner. And that's very much associated with um, mind working on body, or mind working on mind, or mind moving out of mind. <laughs> moving, mind working on body is the first five, particularly. Uh, even when working on body means uh, withdrawal of the senses. Then the last three are pretty much mind with itself and mind being free of itself, body, mind, spirit. And so this is uh, the eightfold, here it's written, eightfold path toward perfect concentration. Concentration, just concentration. Um, Yeah, the idea is that uh, concentration, just like Webo Sayadaw said, um, extended. Uh, my read is uh, 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 steady. Uh, sati, mindfulness, naturally um, goes to insight, vipassana, realization. If you stay with it long enough, um, illusions just fall apart, and and one sees. Uh, the unconditioned aspects or qualities of unconditioned, or degrees of un, of realization of the unconditioned, meaning what is, and one commonly sees what is by the falling away of what isn't, <laughs> and that's um, that comes naturally, as far as I've had any insight. Who the hell knows? But as far as I may have had it, <laughs> some Vipassana. Realization of something or other, a reality. Um, it's known by a recognition that that an illusion has, is no longer present. That that it's not a conceiving of the real. It's a conceiving of a process by w- in which the unreal has temporarily fallen away, and one recognizes something has gone that. I didn't know was in play, Uh, like uh, subjectivity, uh, vijnana really, subjective consciousness, uh, is sensed to arise where there's a recognition it hadn't been before. The arising of vijnana, or the arising of perception, when there hadn't been before, and realizing, oh, these are uh, phenomenal, this is prakriti too, Perception is Prakriti. Vijnana is Prakriti. That's the point. Vijnana is Vizkandha, subjective consciousness. So, okay, (laughs) Yama-Niyama starts the ball rolling. Asana, Pranayama, Prachahara. Whether Buddhists are, you know, Theravadan Buddhists are saying it or not, that's actually, as far as I can tell, where the, um, the yogic um, community listening to Gautama was coming from already, they were already, the, the people who listened to Gautama and, and got sotapanna or second or third or fourth level attainment immediately, just hearing the words, um, were people who were already deeply committed to yama, niyama, asana, pranayama, pratyahara dharana, dhyana. Uh, they may have had even perfect concentration. Uh, they just needed a turning word uh, from somebody who was fully who's fully enlightened, which uh, their words have a different power than somebody who hasn't had realization. but they needed um, they needed to have their head screwed on right. <laughs> rather they, they needed to move out of a false belief and a, a, a more fine discernment or vieweka, that um, they hadn't yet seen Deathless, they were still working with the conditioned and the phenomenal, even if it's the phenomena of a trance, the the experience of perception uh, and absorption, <laughs> the the experience of absorption, and then the perception and conception and thinking about the absorption. Uh, they hadn't known they. they they didn't know that there was something beyond what they had attained. And they were, they were able to um, open to a vision of reality beyond what they had known before from Gautama's teaching because uh, they had gotten teaching that didn't go all the way um, and was still in the conditioned, not yet the unconditioned or the deathless. They they were still they had basically it seems to me they, they to the extent that there there were I mean anybody who got attainment so-called got attainment listening to Gautama, had not got attainment before mm. so why did they not get attainment before well because they were uh, uh, they hadn't had breakthrough that they thought they had or they hadn't had breakthrough. They had some development, a a lot of development, uh, but they were taking perhaps the formless for the unconditioned. Formlessness is not unconditioned. It's conditional. And so higher trances are not liberation. They're formless conditions of awareness or experiences of formlessness. But there's still a subjectivity in play, and they're still conditioned and they're impermanent, those states. Uh, they just didn't know that they didn't know. And so, again, it was discernment or vivek uh, that was triggered. <laughs> that was that that Gautama's teaching sparked in them uh, a higher uh, function or the, the function of the higher functions of mind, viveka kyati, liberative liberative discernment, and that's exactly a phrase used in Buddhism too. Uh, knowledge release. Not bad. There are a couple of phrases that I never got clear on. Sort of discernment release and knowledge release. Now that may be taken right from the Vedek, uh, Vedanta, but they there is in, in Theravadan Buddhism an understanding that realization is associated with uh, realization, it, that attainment uh, comes from a, a penetration or a seeing-knowing that liberates, a liberative discerning, seeing-knowing. And it's basically seeing-knowing of the unconditioned, that which is not of the five skandhas, or the true nature of the five skandhas, or the true nature of phenomena and the seer, or <laughs> something, it, It's again, it's vivek, it's buddhi. And so these realizations, the four attainments in Buddhism, are um, temporary attainment. I mean, the attainment is permanent, but the realization is a temporary experience. The breakthrough is temporary, and the result is permanent. The result being a certain freedom from the fetters, a certain freedom from ignorance. Like, if so Pana, the person breaking first three fetters, never has doubt in Gautama or Buddha Dhamma Sangha anymore. It's finished. There's no more doubt. That's it. (laughs) It doesn't mean uh, they would say uh, Gautama's saying everything about everything, or the Sangha is all saintly, or the Dhamma uh, can't be expressed in other ways too, or reality. But there's no more doubt. It's finished. It's over. (laughs) Likewise, uh, a recognition that this self is just a thought or uh, identity is constructed and, and impermanent. Knowing that is not the same as being free from it, but knowing that that's what it is, uh, one of the first three fetters, uh, when that's broken, it's over. There's no more sense that this one here or I is substantial. It doesn't mean one's free of it, that's the eighth fetter, but one knows that it's a fraud. <laughs> uh, Substantive apparently substantive personality identity is fake. It's not true. It's concocted. It's it's impermanent. It's not reality. But we need (laughs) some sense of it to continue, you know, beyond it. Uh, So it was a sparking (laughs) to Buddhi Vivek uh, higher seeing knowing that uh, trigger given by the catalyst of Gautama's teaching to the people listening at his time, at that time, that led them to um, breakthroughs whose effects were permanent. But it was it was a sparking uh, of Buddhi and Viveka, <laughs> actually, where the listener, the hearer, the Shravaka, uh, Shramana, hearer, um, could um, it basically resonated with um, a level with, with a function of wisdom that hadn't been yet in play in the hearer, who realized oh yes what I know is yet conditional impermanent insubstantial and um, therefore there's a freedom beyond that or freedom is beyond that and Boom, they made a breakthrough and it was permanent. So, but the way to that is after the first five asht- uh, yoga <laughs> limbs, the last three are critical. And that's this uh, page that I will now get into very briefly. Uh, start briefly. It's a long page, actually. It's not so long. But... Uh, this is from Patanjali 3.4 and 3.6, and uh, from Swami J, <laughs> like uh, J-Lo or something, Sweet and Lo, Sweet and J-Lo, Swami J, whatever, all these strange names. Yoga Sutras 3.4, 3.6, the, fr- the title here is Samyama is the Finer Tool, beautiful. And so we're in uh, 3.4, 3.6. And I'll just read a couple of paragraphs. Uh, Maybe I'll read the first five paragraphs and then review a little. um, And we'll pick this up next week as well. Samyama. Samyama is the collective practice of concentration, meditation, and samadhi which are the 6th 7th and 8th rungs of yoga so samyama is the collective practice of dharana dhyana and samadhi this is all within the second of the three foundations of buddhism uh, shila samadhi prajna this is this is uh, samadhi samadhi <laughs> comes you know it develops by dharana concentration in the practice of dhyana meditation and then samadhi as calm abiding or one-pointedness or sta- stabilized awareness with uh, much reduced uh, you know, proliferation of thinking, feeling, the, the very little arising of thinking, feeling, concentration, stability, equanimity, and, and a mind that... Is, and that's what chitta vritti is all about. <laughs> uh, chitta is... Uh, citta vritti is neroded <laughs> there's a significant cessation or total cessation I'm not sure about that myself all the way to I presume of course a total cessation of um, fluctuations that's what uh, uh, development of concentration or dharana dhyana samadhi will bring and that perfect concentration um, then Is the condition in which insight comes naturally, in its time, with sufficient concentration. That's why these guys, you know, are uh, live in seclusion, uh, because the mind um, is happy, and bounces all around and is very sensitive to uh, uh, phenomena. Uh, inner outer so-called of the body-mind spirit or body-mind and of the outer world and so there's a deliberate uh, reduction of stimuli so that uh, one can focus on the true nature of mind or focus you know turn the light within as they say Uh, but that doesn't uh, perfect concentration or uh, samadhi is not a breakthrough it's the basis for it and he wrote he goes on purpose of the first five rungs meaning yama niyama you know withdrawal of the senses uh, asana asana withdrawal of senses and pranayama breath control all that is done as one starts onapanasati anyway <laughs> and all the people listening to Gautama, they were yogi yogics and renunciates knew all that already in fact all eight of the rungs they had developed well. But because their teaching was insufficient, Gautama could bring them a teaching that was greater. Or Gautama's teaching was greater because their teaching, the teaching, their discernment was, in, was inadequate. Their discernment didn't get them out of the formless realms. They had no attainment higher. Now, maybe other guys had a higher, you know, complete attainment too. They didn't come by, but... Uh, The first five rungs support the last three. And he writes, The primary purpose of all the preparation work and first five rungs or limbs, L-I-M-B, limbs of yoga is to build this tool called Samyama. So Samyama as the collective practice or the integration of Dharana, Dhyana, Samadhi. It's basically successful meditation, (laughs) which which begins in concentration. It is of meditation, and, and focus and lo- goes to this samadhi where where insight can dawn and there is uh, cessation i would imagine all the way to total cessation of fluctuation but that itself is not breaking the ninth fetter it's not like uh, citta vritti neroda the neroda the cessation of citta-vritti fluctuations of manas and all these hindrances and tendencies arising, that temporary cessation is not uh, moksha. It's on the way to the realizations that go to moksha or liberation. So he said, samyama is for subtler practice. You can say it is the subtler practice. It's the <laughs> it's the practice needed to go from... Um, Uh, careful restraint or uh, observances and restraint um, and getting the body-mind in a certain settled-down position. It is the subtler practice by which realization can happen, by which realization breakthroughs, permanent attainments of freedom from the illusory, basically, can occur. He writes, this tool is the means of reaching the ever-subtler levels of non-attachment, which was introduced near the beginning of the Yoga Sutras as one of the primary practices, meaning Samyama, as this integration of the three. Samyama is applied to numerous objects which are outlined throughout remaining sutras of Chapter 3. Like the surgeon's scalpel, Samyama, again, the integration of Dharana, Dhyana, and Samadhi, which is basically just called (laughs) successful meditation or mindfulness and practice Uh, like Samyama is like the surgeon's scalpel and you can just say that meditation I mean just substitute uh, ideal meditation the phrase ideal meditation or uh, effective meditation path path developing uh, developmental uh, meditation Uh, Right meditation... (laughs) Okay, we'll call it right meditation... Is this Samyama... And you can say... Therefore, right meditation... Is like... Which of course means concentration... And stability... And one-pointedness... And everything uh, implied by Samadhi... Samyama... As successful Samadhi... As successful meditation... As right meditation... Like a surgeon's scalpel razor sharp tool of discrimination I'll explain that is used for the deep introspection of which eventually uncovers the jewel of the self capital s in the core of our being not quite once the inner light dawns through samaya or samyama it's used to examine the stages of subtle objects whether normally veiled or far away the finest discrimination finally leads to liberation right so that's what's happening in as uh, Samadhi um, naturally reveals uh, insight, Vipassana or as insight naturally comes in uh, extended deep meditation. What happens is um, a greater light of awareness reveals. Uh, and it's not that, that light of awareness or awareness or you know attention. Is sort of the personalist experience of awareness. I pay attention to that, attend to it, um, attention to the breath, attention to uh, you know uh, the techniques of concentration. Um, that leads to one-pointed awareness or awareness that is stable. And focused, but one pointed doesn't necessarily mean focused on an object. There can be the one pointedness of focused on an object, but that goes to trance if it goes too far. There is the one pointed attention to the breath, <laughs> as Anapanasati. Uh, and as the breath slows and the sensations uh, diminish, then there's not a lot of breathing. And there's not a lot of sensory input from the breathing. Less breathing, less sensory input or sensory, you know, Vedana feelings coming from the breathing at the nose. Then, basically, um, one is is, uh, moving towards a kind of objectless meditation. Uh, But this is what reveals... Uh, prolonged samadhi reveals and realizes this is what he's calling the jewel of the self in the core of our being there's no inner and outer of course there's no uh, better or worse even but there is the realization the revelation of what is that hadn't been known Once the inner light dawns through Samaya, that inner light is the light of attention or awareness itself. The light of awareness focused personalistically, personally into attention to something, attending to the object. But eventually, as the breath (laughs) becomes very scant, there's not much breathing, and the sensation from breathing becomes nothing, nearly not much at all either, scant, uh... Then there's object, there's awareness not tied to an object because there's no big object occurring. The object that wouldn't have been attending um, is very minimal in deeper samadhi. But then revelation happens naturally. Once inner light dawns through samyama or as the light of um, true nature awareness or awareness... It's really such it, <laughs> as such it grows. Um, realizations uh, occur. Realizations are basically again seeing what hadn't been seen, seeing the unconditioned, particularly by seeing the cessation or arising uh, of what we didn't, what had been in play before, seeing let's just say, seeing the cessation of what we hadn't recognized was already in play or seeing the arising of what we hadn't realized wasn't in play. (laughs) Seeing the cessation of what we hadn't recognized or seeing the arising of what we hadn't recognized hadn't wasn't, hadn't been. (laughs) Seeing the arising of perception and consciousness and subjectivity uh, with a sense with the recognition that it hadn't been before but now it is so it's obviously insubstantial impermanent and there is a reality beyond uh, perception and subjectivity particularly that this, this kind of realization releases and leads to permanent change and this is how uh, samyama, um, it's not a tool of discrimination, discernment viveka. It's the condition of mind, uh, mind mind-body, particularly mind. I mean, concentration in meditation leading to or of samadhi is not much associated with body. It's... um, a a condition of mind or consciousness in which Buddhi and Viveka are strengthened by the cessation of fluctuations and a radical or a radical cessation or radical diminishment of fluctuations as well as the influence of vasanas and hindrances, subconscious. So the subconscious is not spitting stuff out and the waters are not being stirred Likewise, uh, perceptual input is much reduced. One is in seclusion. (laughs) Uh, As well as there being uh, one pointedness and concentration, because uh, what I had been focused upon now (laughs) nearly doesn't exist, doesn't arise. The breathing and the sensations of breathing. So, breath, respiration goes to, I mean, I myself am familiar with two a minute. I haven't gone beyond two a minute, meaning to one a minute, or one every two minutes. But you can have (laughs) two respirations, three respirations a minute. There ain't a shitload of uh, sensation coming out of that. The objects of concentration, those have been the objects of concentration. The phenomena, the bodily phenomena of respiration, in breath, out breath, and the sensations uh, associated with that. When they diminish radically, one's in concentration without object, or the the object ain't much anymore. Then what? Well, then buddhi shines. Then buddhi is great. Buddhi is great, <laughs> where uh, chitta vritti uh, is diminished. Uh, the say you know with a with a radical diminishment or and/or cessation. I'm not sure about that myself. I, I haven't experienced total cessation of citta-vritti. but I've experienced some pretty significant diminishment. When that's the case, there's concentration without much of the object that had led us to you know develop the concentration. In that case, uh, the hindrances are not much in play. The fluctuations citta-vritti, are not much in play. Perception is not much in play. Respiration is not occurring too much. Then buddhi shines. Or buddhi, the light of awareness, the light of, of, of basically satchit. <laughs> satchit is revealed. Satchit is free. And that doesn't mean it's full awakening, but by satchit or pure awareness, attention, awareness, Um, one sees what one hadn't seen before. And that is particularly associated with five skandhas and uh, this distinction of unreal to real or conditioned to unconditioned or phenomenal to non-phenomenal. But of course, once you think about it, you're back to the phenomenal and the conditioned and the illusory. So I would rephrase this as um, samyama, right uh dhyana dhyana samadhi integrated right meditation <laughs> acts as if acts akin to a surgeon's scalpel acts akin to a razor sharp tool uh, supporting fine discernment D- viveka buddhi that is used for deep intros- introspection that is deep introspection <laughs> That is deeply that that uh, that is the work of deeply seeing mind and what's beyond it the mind the personal mind and then what's beyond personal mind beyond the five skandhas arising and ceasing whether we're seeing the arising of what we recognize hadn't arisen or the cessation of something we didn't even know uh, was in play either and what what exists when the conditional. Uh, doesn't arise. What is in the in in a in the reality of certain conditional and the skandhas not arising. What is, uh, or when you know when they either arise from a previous condition of having arisen, or sorry, I'm kind of tangled. It's it's arising when we hadn't realized they had ceased and not arising when we hadn't realized they were in play it's it's not well explained but um, seeing what is based on um, awareness a very fine seeing of either and both, uh, arising or non-arising. It's basically perceiving uh, its awareness. So you can see where my limits of capacity to explain and uh, know my own experience of meditation. Here I'm at my limit. Uh, Seeing what we didn't realize was in the conditional way. Uh, seeing... Uh, anyway, I'm uh, a little tangled on myself here. So let me pull back. This point, they makes the point, inner light dawns through samyama, used to examine stages of subtle objects. Uh, this is, again, a yogic practice, a little different than Buddhist practice. Whether normally veiled or far away, Finest discrimination finally leads to liberation. And going past avidya or ignorance, right, tenth fetter broken, this process of discrimination allows the yogi to gradually move past the many forms of the four types of ignorance or avidya, which are, (laughs) this is basically called not knowing the three characteristics. So four types of avidya, this is Patanjali, regarding that which is transient as eternal, Mistaking the impure for pur- pure, thinking that which brings misery to bring happiness, and taking that which is not self to be self. Well, this is exactly the same <laughs> as Buddhist formulation of the three marks. Exactly. Now, did Patanjali rip it from Buddha Dhamma in the previous centuries? Possibly. 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 Was it Vedantic prior to Patanjali and Gautama? Possibly, but it's very it's very funny that the the formulation of going beyond avidya, breaking the tenth fetter, the final working uh, from Patanjali is exactly the same formulation as Gautama talking about uh, awareness or realization of the three characteristics. So, moving past these four types of ignorance. Regarding that which is transient as eternal, not seeing impermanence, regarding the impermanent as eternal, not realizing that that there's ever shifting, mistaking the impure for pure, whatever that is, pure, impure, that's uh, relative. But thinking that which brings misery to bring happiness, that's a very ham-handed explanation or understanding of realization of dukkha, realizing that what we had thought only brought happiness also brings stress and thus is is dissatisfactory dukkha because there isn't complete happiness. There may be sukha, all sukha is sukha dukkha and there's no sukha sukha other than full liberation. And so, this is very commonly formulated in Buddhism, too, that realizing or understanding the three marks, um, one knows uh, the impermanent is impermanent, and the insubstantial is insubstantial, and the stressful is stressful and doesn't think otherwise. So, with that, I'll end. (laughs) I couldn't keep it too short. But it's surprising how close um, Patanjali's formulation of the key or what are the keys to breaking a Vidya, breaking 10th fetter or Vidya, is exactly the same as the as a formulation of the Buddhist three characteristics of three marks in Nichanatha Dukkha. Now, it's absolutely possible that Patanjali borrowed or took much from Buddhism. It's also possible that this is Vedic or of the Vedanta prior to Patanjali and prior to Gautama, And so, either way, there's a very significant um, common ground. So that'll be it for today. Next time, I'm going to come back to the same page on Samyama, do a recap of those first five paragraphs, and then go to the new material on the same page. So, I hope you're well. Very heavy stuff, but I think quite interesting. Take good care of yourself, see you next time, and good night.